Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we try to figure out what's wrong with the Winnipeg Jets. It's not an easy solution, but Rod Atesh of The Athletic and I, we're going to try our best to diagnose what's ailing the team. And also, we are going to talk to Liam Dobson, third overall pick in the 2021 CFL Draft by your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Get to know him on the podcast. Let's talk Winnipeg Jets, and the losing streak continues to balloon. They are now up to seven games, all in regulation. The first time that has happened for this franchise since 2006. The last time, by the way, they lost eight in a row in regulation was from October to December, or November of 2001. Of course, that's the Atlanta Thrashers. Murad Atesh of The Athletic, what were you doing in the fall of 2001? I cannot remember. I cannot believe that Winnipeg's uh, current ineptitude has reached Atlanta thrashery and levels, but I I cannot even think. I was in school, I guess. I might have been living in Toronto for that one year. I I don't even know what to tell you, Christian. (laughs) Well, we'll get back to you when we have your deep dive on the article of how deep it goes. I was in grade four. I figured it out earlier today. I was in grade four in Eritrea Elementary School in Terra, Ontario. But let's talk about this losing streak, Barat. And we've seen it against different teams, first Toronto and Edmonton, Montreal, and now last night in Ottawa. Was it as simple as just a, a bad luck game for the Jets last night? Or does it look different now that it comes at the end of this losing streak? Well, I think, well, first of all, I mean, end of losing streak. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the yeah. future based on the way the Jets are playing. But, but I do think... If this were in a vacuum, last night's game, wherein Winnipeg mostly controls five-on-five play, it's not like they were absurdly dominant, but they were better than Ottawa was at even strength. And they give up a goal where a puck hits the linesman in the neutral zone. uh, That becomes the game's opening goal. They tie it later, and then they give up the game winner on a play where the puck's on their stick. They're breaking it out. It goes off of a skate and bounces back into their own zone. If this were a vacuum, if this was the middle of a streak, they'd won five games and lost three, nobody would care. But the streak has reached such epic proportions at this stage, it seems that the Jets, in Blake Wheeler's words, need to play a perfect game to overcome it. You can just imagine what it feels like to be them, make a mistake, and certainly it's a bad mistake to make that that clear and have it bounce back into the Jets' end. And certainly they didn't become a perfect team just to outplay the Ottawa Senators or certainly not the top team in the Canadian division. It's just that last night was one of those, yeah, you know what, they look cursed right now sorts of losses. And so the solve is not apparently a simple one for this team. They've tried some different forward combinations, and obviously the lack of Nikolai Ehlers is really tough for this team right now. Are you surprised at how much his absence is hurting the squad, or do we know just how valuable he is offensively for this team? Not surprised at all. I've been calling him Winnipeg's most valuable forward for the entirety of the season, and I and I continue to believe that to be true. Uh, there are just too few players who play with his dynamism, his speed, the way that he can move the puck up through the middle of the ice. Nobody can match him on the Winnipeg Jets in the offensive zone. He's been a, he's become a good finisher. Everybody's talking about how much he likes to shoot, but he's been pretty good at shooting for a long time, actually. Um, and I don't think defenses can handle him at, at, at his speed and shiftiness which stands out especially to me because we saw Connor Shifley and Wheeler reunited, and I thought they had a very good game against Ottawa. They uh, certainly outchanced the Senators whenever they were on the ice. 
But that's a line where you know exactly what you're getting. And that's for better and for worse. They can make plays that other teams can't. Mark Shifley is a very good player, uh, especially offensively. His vision and timing is, is really quite special. Kyle Connor jumps into the middle of the ice at just the right times. Even at the very end of the game, saw a patented Blake Wheeler turning his shoulder or putting his shoulder down and driving through somebody on the way to his post. But at the best of times, you know exactly what you're getting from that line in kind of a bad way too. cut back, cut back behind the net, trying to make a pass into the slot, but because nobody's there, it's tough to get there. It's a pass to the point and a point shot as well. I think Winnipeg's become very stagnant and very predictable in the offensive zone, and they don't get there enough without Nick Ehlers on the ice. So a little bit of extra predictability, not necessarily a good thing for the Jets. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've struggled on five on five without somebody as impossible to predict as Nick Ehlers can be. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it would help more if the defensemen were able to contribute more offensively and activate a bit more. We saw last night Josh Morrissey just all over the place in terms of chances, but that's so rare to see that from the defensive unit from this team this year. Yeah, I agree with that take. I absolutely agree with you, Christian. I think that one of the things that Winnipeg gets beat at by the best teams, and whether it's in the division they're in or you look at what would traditionally be the Eastern Conference, I looked at Barry Trotz's New York Islanders, where there isn't a tremendous amount of top-end offensive talent, Barzell accepted, um, where they can attack from the point. They can attack from the half wall. They can attack from the end boards like the Winnipeg Jets do. And it's because they have routes that they run. It's not all freewheeling. There are defensemen who jump into the middle of the ice. There are players that curl. There is a plan. And Winnipeg's plan in the offensive zone is really to be very quite cautious on the, on the case of the, the blue liners. Now, I understand that personnel-wise, there's no Bufflin, there's no Truba. The adjustment seems to be a little bit of passivity there because there are players like Derek Forbert. Uh, Tucker Pullman, for all of his wheels, has one assist, I think, on the year so far. Um, you look at the bottom pair as well. There's not a lot of offense from Logan Stanley or Dylan DeMello. So the strategy seems to be, okay, back off, back off, play the defensive game. But you saw it. When Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk get activated, on days when Tucker Pullman does as well, it adds another layer to Winnipeg's attack. And the question is, does it add enough to make up for whatever they give up in the other end? And I don't know this for a fact, but believe me, I think it would add quite a lot of extra options for the Winnipeg Jets. And I I think that's where you'd like Winnipeg to go in terms of creating more opportunities for itself. It'll open up space for other players if you have to respect the possibility of some offense from the point. Which begs the question, why isn't Billy Hainala getting any playing time? I think, quite sincerely, they're afraid of his size. I, I don't mean fear in, you know, in, in a pejorative way necessarily, but Winnipeg's pairs all year long have had you know, Morrissey Pullman. There's a, you know, a smaller than average and a slightly bigger than average player. Forbert Pionk, same deal. Stanley DeMello, same deal, except Stanley's quite big. And, man, you saw him throw his weight around against Ottawa. Um, for me, I think that Winnipeg is leaning on too hard on one of two philosophies right now. I'm not sure which one it is, and maybe it's both, maybe it's neither. But one, I think they thought that they got manhandled in the important areas of the ice against Calgary during the playoffs last year. And so throughout this entirety of the season, we haven't seen two little guys, so to speak, on the same pairing, unless Winnipeg was desperate like they were when they put Morrissey and Pionk together against Ottawa. Um, so I think size is definitely an issue for them. And certainly asked about Ville Hanela. Paul Maurice went straight to talking about Logan Stanley's size the other day. Uh, I think that's part of it. The other, and you heard Paul Maurice say this as well, um, was that 
Morrissey and Pionk are a good pairing and, and created a, quite a lot, but he's almost afraid of what happens on other pairings uh, if you put them together. And, you know, to me, that means that, you know, if you've got Stanley in the lineup to make up for their size and Hanel as an extra rookie, I don't buy the argument. I think Villa Hanel is an NHL-ready player, and I think having the puck on your stick um, and the, what we've seen from him in his limited auditions so far, he moves it so well he's defending less often. Uh, but these are my interpretations of what we've seen. I, I really think he's an NHL-ready player that should have been in the NHL for a little while now. So we see all these different forward combinations, but... Like you mentioned, the defensive pairings have been pretty much locked with Pullman up with Morrissey, Pionk and Forbert have been together the whole year, and then put whoever with Dylan DeMello. It strikes me, Murat, that they need bigger, bolder decisions, I think, to maximize the potential there. Do you agree with that? I do. I absolutely do. I I think that there's a little bit of trust the veterans and go back to to old tried and true in quotes um, methods because there have been so many astounding decisions on Winnipeg's blue line. Let's talk about Nathan Beaulieu playing presumably through a torn labrum because we have the timeline from the coach moved to the top pairing, a place where he's not traditionally going to have success in the best of years, but okay, this time he's hurt. Not only that, but to put him on the top pairing, Josh Morrissey has to play on his offhand side, play the right side as a left shooter, something he doesn't have a tremendous amount of track record doing. I don't think that's necessarily a good decision. I think Derek Forbert was a revelation, revelation pardon me, for the first month of the season. But since then, the, the tide has turned. He's looked slow. He's looked exposed. That top four role that he's getting without exception, that's beginning to suffer. And you have the issues with Ville Hanel, whether he's in the lineup or not. Logan Stanley coming off for, for Jordy Ben. I mean, there's, uh, there are some confusing decisions being made on Winnipeg's blue line, I absolutely think. And then to put Tucker Pullman on that top pairing, Process-wise, if you like shot numbers, if you like scoring chance numbers, expected goal numbers, or just watching him handle the puck these days, or watching him defend exclusively against top six opposition, gosh, he's got a lot of tools, but he's a step behind uh, top sixes. And I don't just mean Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. I mean the rest of those types of opposition as well. Winnipeg sees something in him, and they see something in that pairing that they're not getting in terms of controlling the flow of play. And they have gotten with other combinations of Josh Morrissey, including Dylan DeMello, including in a very tiny sample size, Neil Pionk. So I don't understand, and I try to, you try to, we all try to, I do not understand the decision-making that leads to the particular pairing that we continue to see on a night-in, night-out basis. And that's why so many fans, when I tweet out, hey, why don't we play Billy Hanela on Wednesday night, tweet that Paul Maurice waving to the crowd gift that we've seen so many times. <laughs> yeah, we, we see that gif an, an awful lot of times. And, you know, whether that's 100% Paul Maurice's decision, whether there's part of that is Charlie Huddy. We even have Kevin Dayoff saying he'd like to see a little bit more from of Ville Hanela down the stretch. Meanwhile, he gets into one game in the span of a month. And, you know, there, I'm not sure who has the biggest piece of the pie. I do, I am sure, pardon me, or I do think uh, that the end result simply has been counterproductive for the Jets. It's not a team that has had success controlling the flow of the play whether using veterans, whether whatever the decisions have been, they haven't had the results. And they keep going back to this exact uh, 
sort of philosophy defensively over the course of not only the not only the losing streak, which has been a, a tough thing for Jets fans to endure, um, but the season as well. Even during the games when they were winning, uh, whether through great offense or through great Hellebuck or great Laurent Brassois, there have been times when they were just flooded, and the ideas seem to be the same ones night in and night out. I'll get you out of here on this. Cole Perfetti is the Rookie of the Month in the American Hockey League. We've seen Cole Caulfield and the impact he's had in Montreal. It's led some to wonder if there's a chance that Perfetti would have some kind of impact on this Jets team. I say it wouldn't happen because, A, we've already seen the track record of rookies not getting chances, but also I don't think Maurice would put him in a spot that would maximize his skill set. If he is or isn't NHL ready, we don't know. I don't think we'll see him this year. But we saw it in the past with Kyle Connor and Jack Rosovic players that aren't built for bottom six roles are being played there because they don't have the NHL experience. That's probably what would happen if in this hypothetical world, Perfetti were to actually get an NHL shot. Don't you think? You know what? I I agree with that. I I think that, there's a lot of things to love about Cole Perfetti's season. I mean, to think of all the time he spent in quarantine, to think about the World Juniors he had, um, starting off with the Moose, he's showed progression every stage of the way. You know, initially his offense was almost exclusively on the power play with the Moose. He's added five-on-five offense as well. There's concerns about his size and his speed, but he has continued to find ways to adapt to that, make the game slow down for him progressively at the AHL level. Now the rookie of the month in the AHL climbing up those charts. I think if you bump him up one level further to the NHL, his size and speed do become a concern again. So the play for the coaches would be limit his minutes at five on five, try to get him some power play time, try to get sheltered five on five minutes as well. See what he can do. It would be a great reward for the season that he's had. But to tell you the truth, I read it the same way. I don't think the coach would play it that way at the best of times. Certainly not when the team's losing like it has been. Um, And I don't think the impact would be that great. I think it would just be a nice reward. And at the end of the day, here's my honest-to-goodness hot take. He's a great story for the year. He's killing it with the AHL. Keep him away from the mess that is a seven-game losing streak and the attitudes and the negativity that has started to surround this team. All right, Murad, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and uh, enjoy the rest of the regular season here as best you can. (laughs) Thank you kindly. Thanks kindly, Christian. Thanks for having me. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers with the third overall selection in the 2021 CFL Draft, choosing offensive lineman Liam Dobson from Maine, transferring to Texas State, from Ottawa, Ontario, and he joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Liam, congratulations on getting drafted into the Canadian Football League. Thank you very much, and I uh, appreciate you having me on. So, growing up in Canada, was the CFL always on your radar? Yeah, you know, just being a kid growing up, watching it, like you said, um, it's always been a dream to play, always something that I wanted to do, and, you know, it's kind of surreal that it's happened. And so when did you find out that you were going to be picked by the Bombers? Um, so I was watching. I couldn't get a stream down here in uh, Texas, a very good one. So there's a bit of a buffer on the one that I was watching through YouTube. And I kind of heard uh, the Winnipeg selection was coming up. And I got a follow on Twitter by CFL. Um, and then, you know, I got uh, got a call from a Winnipeg area code, and that's kind of when I put the pieces together, you know. And I, I talked to Coach O'Shea, and uh, 
was very, very happy with that conversation. So down in the University of Maine, what is it like living in a, in a place like Orono, Maine? What do they, do they care a lot about football there? Yeah, you know, the, the fans, it's a very small, very tight community. The town gathers around the team, lots of good support. Um, and they love their athletes and they support them very well. They show up to games and, you know, having little kids as we're doing, we have a tradition called the black bear walk. We will uh, walk to a field house to get ready for the game. You know, just seeing the little kids there with their families, just knowing that uh, they're having a good time, just supporting the team. It's an awesome feeling. So when you were playing high school football, when was it always a priority to see if you could make it in the States? I would say kind of my junior year, I would say, is when I kind of buckled down and decided that I wanted to be uh, a football player for real. You know, kind of growing up in Canada, I played lots of sports, was a fourth-line bruiser for some hockey teams, you know what I mean? Played quite a bit of basketball growing up, and then um, I started playing football, and, you know, football won me over. I had some people push me in the right direction, you know what I mean? Lots of good influences uh, throughout high school and other coaches, other teammates that said that I could do it, you know what I mean? Uh, that's why I kind of just decided to give it everything I got. So what was it that drew you into football initially when you were younger? Uh, honestly, just I love the game. My dad, he coached a little bit. She's a teacher as well, you know, so being around the football coaches, just watching it on TV, went to Arizona when I was a kid on vacation and saw Larry Fitzgerald jersey and had to have it, you know what I mean, and just been a, been a huge fan of the game for a long time and just finally excited that I can say that uh, I'm a professional. Did you have a CFL team growing up? Was it the Renegades for their brief existence? <laughs> You know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that now, being a part of the, the Winnipeg organization. But, yeah, that was my first CFL game. I think my first football game I ever attended. So I have lots of good memories, uh, even though it was, they were there for a brief period of time. I remember going and having a great time, and it was uh, one of the reasons why I got drawn into football. Talking with Liam Dobson, third overall pick by the Blue Bombers in today's CFL draft. So you've uh, you spent three seasons at Maine. You started 27 games. Why the decision to transfer this year? Yeah, you know, it was a tough decision, but um, just being a competitor and wanting to play at the highest level possible in college, which is the FBS level, you know, uh, and with the COVID situation, not knowing if Maine would be able to book FBS games like it typically does, I just figured that it was best for me to make the transition and play all FBS football, sorry. And uh, that that's what made me decide to enter the transfer portal and eventually ending up in Texas. And I know you're a blue bomber right now, but in a perfect world, would you like to get a shot in the NFL? Yeah. And I spoke with the coaches and they know that uh, just the way I'm wired, I want to shoot for the highest level possible, but we have a mutual agreement that, um, when it's time for me to come back to Canada, I'm coming with a full tank, and we're doing everything we can to win games and win championships. Did you pay much attention to the Blue Bombers' run to the Grey Cup title in 2019 down in Maine? Uh, I do. You know, I do catch up on some CFL action when I can, but 
Uh, during the season, it's kind of tough, but I did watch a couple of the games for sure. Now, they described in uh, the statement that you, were, that you were drafted that you played in the cold at Maine and you don't shy away from anyone. How would you describe yourself as a football player? You know, I do enjoy the cold. Uh, you talk to anybody I know, and they'll tell you that. I'm a shorts and T-shirt guy through and through, so I might get some crazy looks from people out in Winnipeg when I show up there wearing shorts in February, you know, but um, that's how I like to attack the game, you know, going out there, not wearing long sleeves in the, the colder games, just try to intimidate the opponents, being like, oh, man, this guy's crazy. He's not wearing any, any sleeves. He must be freezing, but I'm moving like I'm not cold and just, you know, having that mental edge on them the whole game. But you transferred to Texas State, where you're not going to have to worry about that. Yeah, it's the, the exact opposite, actually. I think I'm on my like fourth gallon of water today, trying to keep hydrated. But it's been warm down here for it was 104 the other day, I think. Oh and God. for all the Canadians, that's about it was about 33, 34, but felt like 40 degrees outside. So it, it was a warm one for sure. Yeah, it's too hot. I mean, it's it's eight degrees right now in Winnipeg. So, would you rather be in eight degrees or thirty four? Eight degrees more more my style of weather. Absolutely. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this, Liam. Uh, there's a video of you dunking a basketball, and I am six five, and I cannot dunk. So, uh, what can I do to to become a dunker like you, or is it just to become a pro athlete? <laughs> Watch lots of uh, LeBron James highlights. <laughs> But right. no, I just, being, being a young kid growing up, played lots of basketball, lots of athletics, you know what I mean? So I didn't really specialize in football. So I just had an athletic background. And then kind of when I got a little bit older, I started playing more and more basketball and at a little higher level every time, you know what I mean? So just running the court all the time, jumping to get those rebounds to just build that vertical inch by inch. And, Eventually, you stop growing, so the vertical has to get a little bit bigger, you know. So you start skipping rope and doing calf raises and all that and stretching. But I got it down eventually, and you know, it's a good party trick. I guess I got some work to do. All right, Liam, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this, and uh, congratulations again on being drafted to the Canadian Football League. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you Intellect, which might explain your business.